Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. And welcome to Race Control on SENZ. If you love motorsport, love hearing great stories, want to have some fun, well, this is your Thursday night destination. Stephen McIver with four-time Bathurst champion and general living leg end, Greg Murphy. Mate, got the key in the ignition, ready to go? Mate, we've made it. We're on air um, and it's all happening. It's a little bit different though because usually I'm... I'm a guest on the radio, oh, not uh, oh, co-hosting. Thank oh, goodness oh, for you. Well, Thank goodness for you. Well, I was about to say you're going to start pulling a rank earlier. Is that what it's about? Well, who talked Who talked you into this, anyway? <laughs> I think you did, mate. Look, I'm pretty excited about this one because uh, we've got yeah. so much to cover in the next two hours. I think the one thing I'm looking forward to uh, is hearing from Andre Heimgartner, who's uh, based in Perth, as to why he's pulled the pin on Kelly Grove Racing. Yeah, interesting one, isn't it? Um, and there's always lots of reasons and stories behind the scenes. Uh, I've been there myself that, that generally don't come out um, until much, much later. So, yeah, it didn't, didn't quite work out, but it's going to be interesting to talk to him. So I'm glad we've got him on here. And before half past seven this evening, wherever you are around Aotearoa, New Zealand, we'll also hear from one of our young guns in the form of Liam Lawson at his home base in Milton Keynes. Now, we want you to be a part of this, so let's just remind you of the numbers where you can call mm. us and ask us questions. Whatever we're talking about, you're part of the show. You're part of the Farno. Uh, 0800 150 811. That's 1800 150 811. That's the phone number. Or you can text 8833. That's text 8833. Now, Murph, I thought we'd have a little bit of fun to get people into it, right? And I thought we'd, we'd do this thing called break or accelerate. So, a break that sounds like this means you don't agree with something. You okay with that one? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. And if you accelerate, you agree with something. So, see, <laughs> that's you. That's you at the back of your, your uh, a plot in, in the Hawk space. So here's the question for you at home or wherever you are listening to SENZ Race Control tonight. Here's the question. Should Formula E or any form of electric motorsport have artificial sound to make it more attractive? Should Formula E or any form of electric motorsport have artificial sound to make it more attractive? Now, if you agree, it's an accelerate. If it's a disagree, it's a break. Double eight, double three, text us or call us anytime and tell us why. 0800 150 811. But we have got so much more to talk about, haven't we, Murph? Because quite simply, let's start with silly season in F1. And Kimi Raikkonen, the man that set off the musical chairs, uh, we got him. I don't know where you found him, but we've got Kimi Raikkonen, who's on the line right now. Uh, evening to you, Kimi. Yeah, nice, uh, nice talks. Uh, long time uh, listener, first time caller to the show. Actually, that's not possible because this is your first episode, I know. 
But uh, I'm doing okay. Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I can't believe that actually this came through. Kimmy, uh, big fan. Uh, mate, I don't really know where to start, except I, you have actually just recently um, got over the, the Rona virus. Um, mate, and you missed a couple of races at Zanvil and Monza. How are you doing? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all the right things, Miss. Uh, nice to talk to you again. Um, you know, we, we uh, said I can have uh, some ice creams. So uh, what's the ones you guys have down there? Remember that time in Malaysia when I had the ice cream, you know, in the pit lane? Uh, but you, what do you guys have down there? The, uh, what is it, the jelly tips or something? Uh, maybe I have some more jelly tips. Huh? <laughs> hey, Kimmy, you've announced you're retiring. We're all shocked about this one. Uh, at the end of the season, you made the decision some time ago. But look, most GP starts of any driver in Formula One history, more than 340 drives and some of the most beautiful machinery that we've ever seen. But what's what's next for you? Uh, maybe there's some rallying, huh? Murphy's uh, big, big like Ari Vatanen in New Zealand, huh? Maybe we do some rallies together, took a Fiat Panda team maybe or something. And, uh, you know, I did some yoga looking on the, the YouTubes you can find. Uh, maybe that time I did some crazy racing on the... Uh, on the snow with the skidoo in the, I think, what was it? Gorilla suit, maybe. Maybe do some more of that. And uh, what, can can we do Bathurst together? Maybe, maybe the Iceman and the Iceman uh, race together. Murph, get the flat top haircut again, like the, like the 90s. And we both be in race control probably, probably quite a lot, huh? Wow. Uh, can you, wild card, a new wild card. Kimi Raikkonen and uh, Greg Miller. That would be an honour for me, Kimi. You have no idea, and I think the fans would would love that. Um, mate, let's just quickly talk about a little bit of, uh, you know, some of your amazing achievements. World title with Ferrari. I mean, that is incredible and so memorable. I mean, that must have been very special. Yeah, you can throw the passport away pretty much after that, can't you? I mean, pretty, pretty amazing. So... Uh... A bit worried. Uh, I was too young when I first started, you know, maybe not enough experiences. And now nearly, yeah, maybe, maybe might get to three pity races by the end of the season. Three pity cent piece, huh? All, all very special, Smith. Always, uh, you know, I always enjoy talking on the, on the radio during the race, too. You know, yes, 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 yes. I talk to the, I know what I'm doing. Hey, well, Kimmy, uh, we are just a little intrigued as to... You, you're not a fan of doing media in general, uh, and you're quite open about it. You're very transparent, and we are genuinely excited that you are, are talking to us. But can I just ask you, what made you say yes to the very first edition of Race Control SNZ, apart from everyone else around the world? Well, Stephen MacGyver is, uh, is massive in, uh, in Finland. You know, that show where he used to be like the superhero with all the gadgets, you know, and uh, I'm a big fan of that. And, uh, you know, when I say that uh, MacGyver asking to, uh, to have interview hours, yeah, for sure, for sure, let's do that. <laughs> all right, that's that's Kimi Räikkönen on our very first edition of Race Control Murph. That, that's a get. That's what? a get and a half, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it... I, mm. 
Is it? Uh, it I'm not quite sure. It, it may have been him. Um, it may not have been. Um, it's hard to tell. I'm, I'm just not 100%. I used a, a third party to try and get the contact there. Right, He's okay. uh, a mate of mine based here in Hawke's Bay. And, and uh, he, you know, he actually does a pretty good Kimmy Riken an impersonation, so okay. I don't know if it was him or it was real, to be honest. It's well, a, well, you know, one day we might find out. All right, well, if, uh, if you've got any thoughts about Kimmy Riken and you want to say, is it a sad thing that he's going, uh, you know the number, 0800 150 811, or you can text us on double eight double three. Remember, the break or accelerate question is this one, quite simply, should Formula E or any form of electric motorsport have artificial sound to make it more attractive. If you agree, it's an accelerate. If you disagree, it's a break. We had a couple of accelerates and a 100% break on the text line double eight double three. But if we should really talk about what has proved to be a silly season. I mean, who do you think goes to Alfa Romeo? We know Bottas goes, but who, who joins Bottas now? Do you think Mick Schumacher gets rid of Haas because he's over Mazepin? <laughs> well, actually, I, to be honest, I, I heard something the other day that uh, Netflix were going to do a doco focusing totally on Nikita Mazepin. Um, Daddy's it's, money. Uh, it's Daddy's be money. A spin-off. No, it's going to be a spin-off. You get it? Oh. It's going to be a spin-off. Oh, da- dad yeah. joke this early in. Mate, it's only 7.09. Yeah. It's 7.09 the first show. I know, early with that one. And you throw in a dad joke. I mean, what do you, do you think Schumacher goes to Alfa Romeo? They, 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 Ferrari have said they, they don't really have any say anymore over that, and they're Ferrari junior drivers. But surely it, Mick Schumacher and Valtteri Bosses, that'd be a nice mix, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be a great mix. Um, and the way these things are done, too, is yeah, way above our pay grade on some of the reasons why. And we know that uh, Formula One, like most categories around the world, there's, there is wealthy individuals that are buying their way into it. I mean, uh, Formula One does have some uh, pretty well-credentialed ones these days. So maybe. I mean, I, there was a little rumour um, a little while Oh, a few weeks ago about uh, actually Oscar Piastri, the Australian, even going there. He's a, a Renault um, or Alpine Academy driver, and uh, his name was mentioned as well. So that one remains to be seen. I mean, pretty much everything else seems to have played out. I mean, the, the whole Russell to Mercedes deal, I um, mean, that was coming for a long time. It was one of the world's worst-kept secrets, and uh, finally that was announced, which had to happen. I mean, he has proven himself a George Russell, and that is going to be very, very exciting moving forward. I think that is going to be the strongest teammate um, since Alonso, probably for Hamilton, don't you reckon? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, you know what's going to happen, though. George Russell is going to push. Well, he's going to push Hamilton all the way, and and believe what you weigh, whatever the people are telling you. Hamilton will not like that. He'll say it's great. It's great to be pushed. If he starts getting beaten by George Russell, Hamilton will lose yeah. his rag. You know it. You know, you're not a fan of, of Hamilton. Come on. You've said this many times on Sky I'm Speed. A, I'm not a fan of uh, the way he goes about a lot of things. I mean, he's, his driving is just phenomenal. I mean, he is a, an absolute uh, superstar behind the wheel of a racing car. There's no denying that. I just, I, I'm just not a big fan of of the way he goes about his business. And in, in, in many respects, he's, you know, and he has been a, not so much of a whinger these days, but he, he was a big whinger even though he was winning <laughs> world championships left, right, and centre. So that doesn't impress me much. But you got to remember, he's 
getting on now, I suppose. He's starting to move into that twilight situation um, of his career. So, you know, they've got a plan for the future, and, and certainly George is one of those. So it is going to be great for fans and great for Formula One uh, to have um, so much pressure put on on such an incredible driver like Lewis Hamilton. I was, so that's, I, that's exciting. Yeah, I was mildly surprised that Alfa Tori retained Yuki Tsunoda, who was out here, I think it was two yep. seasons ago, in the TRS series. Lovely kid. Got Honda money behind him. Gasly's de- deserved to He's retain hilarious. his seat. But, you know, the Sonoda one, yeah, I, I, that, I raised my eyebrows at that one. Yeah, they must have seen, and, and they would see, um, a lot of things that are going on, obviously, within the, the team, with the information that they are gathering. And they clearly see that there's, there's room for improvement. They can see that he can get there, um, I would I'd imagine. I mean, his results have not been good this year. It's been a real struggle. I mean, she's Alpha Tauri on the weekend at Monza. What a shocker, absolute shocker for them both. I mean, he didn't even start, uh, for goodness sake. A, a shocker, so nothing he could really do about that. But, um, you know, they have got... Obviously, belief in, in his ability, and um, there's a good connection there uh, at the moment as well with the, the Honda thing, even though that is disappearing, um, him being uh, Japanese, of course. But, I mean, he's clearly talented, incredibly talented, and stepping into Formula One uh, in a rookie scenario, you're not, I mean, the expectation, our expectation might be higher, but what's the team's expectation? Probably not as high, uh, considering, you know, the, the lack of experience in Formula One. So, you know, good. I'm glad that they did re- retain him because Red Bull, we know they've got a bit of a history of, of just absolutely absolutely getting rid of people uh, very quickly for, you know, for underperforming. So it's, it's good to see them changing that idea a little bit. But what it does do is I was very, com- you know, pretty confident based on what we're seeing with uh, our Liam Lawson, who's coming up soon um, on the show. Um, you know, I was thinking that there was a strong possibility that they might uh, be putting him there. But uh, I was probably ahead of the game there a little bit. Well, well, well you're not, but I'm not allowed to say. Because I've got some intel, but I'm not allowed to say, okay? I'm just going to leave that one hang. Uh, Ferrari, Alpine, well, Aston, I mean, what Aston kind of, Martin are all the same. What, you do it to me all the time. What kind of partner in crime are you? <laughs> you do it to me all the time. It was an off-the-record chat I had with his manager about three hours ago. Uh, just watch, Oh, you can't go and throw watch, that into watch, the mix. Then. Watch this space. <laughs> hey, uh, let's oh, talk about Monza. We won't talk about Hamilton and Verstappen yet. I want to talk about McLaren and Danny Rick doing the job. I mean, I... He was happy. I was jumping for joy. How good was that? But what surprised me more than anything is why could no one catch the McLarens? Uh, well, yeah, that, that is a very good question. Remember, they do have the Mercedes power plant these days, which has changed things quite dramatically. Um, but let's just start up. We'll start this chat around McLaren and Danny Rick with the fact that, I mean, the world was going to be a sadder place if we never saw the shoey again, Right. And we got to see the shoey. Dan Rick drinking champagne. The looks on the faces of Lando Norris and Zach Brown when they had to do it, that was that's priceless. I mean that that's that's worth the ticket admittance. Uh, you know, price alone, just being able to see them have to drink out of Danny Rick's sweaty boot <laughs> the champagne. So that's number tick number one out of the way. But what a yeah, amazing performance. They they said and I I didn't probably see them having that kind of performance at Monza, considering, you know, the amount of straight line speed required and, and he having to come off some pretty wicked corners very, very well. But they they are on the roll, McLaren, and it's awesome to see. You know, first win in nine years for that team. First one two uh, since two thousand and ten. Um, just just awesome. And and he did drive so well at the front. They managed to control it and look after the, the cars. Yeah, a couple of little breaks maybe for, for Lando. 
with uh, the way a few things played out. But I reckon, I reckon Dan had it sorted. I think he was he was there and and was going to stay there. Deserved it. Absolutely deserved it. Couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. Just got a yep. text in from Louis Sharp. Now you know Louis Sharp, a little Christ. I think down in Christchurch, good little uh, yeah. open wheel racer, little rocket ship. Uh, he says uh, on our double eight double three uh, accelerate. He agrees. Give artificial noise <laughs> to electric racing. So that's our break or well, accelerate. And that's coming from uh, someone with a future in car racing who's probably going to end up uh, driving, you know, electric uh, cars oh. in the future, oh. race cars in the future, considering he's only, what is he, 13 Oh, he's, look, he's, he's a baby. I, I, I remember meeting you. You remember the story. He was on, we had him on Sky Speed at the Karting yep. Club of Nationals in Hamilton. And there's this young kid, about two foot six, you know, but about as tall as you. And, and, you know, he super well-spoken, like a sponsor's dream walks up and says you know i'll talk to you away you go and and next minute he's he's doing all sorts of things and he's being mentored pretty well i think there's some good people looking up his dad does a really good job and uh louis sharp is another name we should hear look out for we'll hear from louis um uh, from liam lawson in just a moment but here is listen to this this is the big talking point from monza at the weekend and there's Max Verstappen right behind Hamilton into the first chicane once again. It's wheel to wheel. Hamilton and Verstappen, oh. and this time Verstappen and Hamilton have crashed out, and they are both out. Okay, second time it's happened. It's happened again at Silverstone already this season. Uh, Max Verstappen was found to be the more guilty of the two parties mm. and got a three-place penalty, grid-place penalty for Sochi and Russia in a couple of weeks' time. I, I, mate, me racing incident. Yeah, I have looked at a lot of this over the last few days, and some other interesting stuff has has appeared in the um, the last day or two video from both cars, uh, different angles and bits and pieces. And and you know, there's there's there seems to be more of a sway towards the fact that uh, there's more blame on on Max for this one. And and I just yeah, I agree. I think it was more racing. I think they both knew what they were getting into. If you look at the line that Hamilton took when he did turn in to turn one into the chicane, and where he placed his car and where he drove his car, he you know he knew exactly what he was doing. And and it's hard to tell someone who's racing a racing car that you don't have a go and you don't, you know, uh, put it on the line. You don't try and, I mean, he was going for position there. He knew probably that if he let, uh, you know, Lewis get in front or Lewis got in front, he was probably not going to be able to get him, get past him. I mean, that, that uh, it might be quite obvious. And so he, he put it on the line and I think they both contributed and, and people are saying he wasn't far enough. And I think, well, there was an overlap, a very strong overlap. He was passing. Lewis was coming out of the pits. I think there was there's good arguments on both sides. And at the end of the day, probably, you know, considering that they both contributed to it, the fact that neither of them finished, you know, it's probably a fair outcome. But yeah, I think I didn't think he deserved a penalty for it. And I think the steward statement was a little bit wish washy, to be honest, oh. um, on their decision. Um, so yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was a little surprised. But man, it has made the season. Incredibly exciting! It really has. Helmut Marco is going off like you wouldn't believe, blaming oh poor oh, old poor old Lewis made it up, and yet, yet because the next minute you've got him prancing around at the Met Gala, looking very swish, might I add, uh, and saying oh but my neck's tightening up, I'm, really? I'm, you know I'm going I got a tight neck. What a load of tripe! Anyway, uh, if you've got some thoughts on that because I think that's worth talking about, and we'd love to hear what you think oh, about yeah. it. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven, or you can text double eight double three with 
thoughts on who was in the right and who was in the wrong. Was it Max or was it Lewis? Stick with us here on the very first edition of Race Control here on SENZ. Coming next, one Kiwi young gun that is going a long way and he's doing it fast. Coming next, Liam Lawson on Race Control. New Zealand's Liam Lawson is probably the busiest young motor racing driver going around at the moment. Last week, he bullied his way to second place in the DTM series with a double win at the Red Bull ring and has just come off the latest round of F2 at Monza in the Italian Grand Prix with two P4s and a DNF. He joins us now from his base in Milton Keys. Uh, Got to ask this question. How does a fire extinguisher go off on an F2 car? Yeah, it's a very strange one, that one. Um, something that I've never experienced before. I, I know I've had teammates that have had it in the past over the years um, where they've accidentally pushed the button or something like that, but the the way ours went off is, uh, is about as unlucky as it gets. I don't like saying that I'm an unlucky driver or, or something like that, but um, with, with what happened, basically, um, I was pulling out to overtake down the straight. Uh, I was overtaking Jehan, the river in front of me, and there's basically for the marshals uh, in a situation where I'm out of the car or I'm in the car and I'm, I'm unconscious or something like that and the car's on fire or something like that there's a there's a little cable just above my head around the side of the um, like the engine cover that you can pull this cable and it basically cuts all the power in the car and sets off the fire extinguisher in the car so and a bit of rubber came off the car in front of me we think at least this is the only this is the only thing that could have happened because the cable was pulled out and it, it hit the cable at the perfect angle that it, it I don't know wrapped it, it the rubber wrapped around the cable or something and managed to pull it out um, and basically set off the extinguisher so um, oh. yeah that was pretty pretty frustrating well it probably ruined what was turning into a very strong weekend to push you up the placings I've got to say that that Monza what a track I mean how is that a fave of yours. It definitely is, especially in, in the F2 car. It's, it's seriously quick. And um, you're right, we were on for a, a very good haul of points that weekend, for sure the, the most we would have had all season with the, the sprint races. We had really good results. And then um, we were actually on for, earlier in the race, we were on for the win uh, before the pit stops. But uh, I lost all the places getting stuck in and getting held in the, in the pit lane. And then um, even when the, when the fire extinguisher went off, I had really good, tires were in really good shape I'd been saving for, for about 10 laps waiting for um, the guys in front to drop off and they just started to drop off when I was starting to push and unfortunately never got a chance to show show the true pace what happened in that pit stop just too slow um, slightly maybe but um, it's just again really unfortunate that in the situation I was at the front of the pit lane so I came in obviously right on the gearbox of Piastri and when I came and did the stop, they all stopped further down the pit lane before me. And so they came out in a queue, basically, of, of yeah. four four cars together. And uh, they can't, obviously can't be released into the queue, so they had to wait for all of them to go past. Well, it, it is what it is because you're so busy at the moment. And, and I noted you said in an article about a week or two ago that you were finding the transition going from DTM to F2 or F2 to DTM quite tricky. Uh, it didn't appear that way at Monza. Talk to me about DTM. I mean, congratulations on that, that Red Bull round. You were mega. I watched both races and you were untouchable. What was it about that weekend? Um, thank you. But uh, the weekend was yeah, was really positive. Uh, it, DTM is obviously it's my first experience of multi-car, like different manufacturers. Um, so, you know, different cars have, have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, and certain tracks suit, 
suit cars and certain tracks don't suit cars. So we, we've basically been from tracks like uh, Zolder, Nürburgring, Short Circuit, really tight, sort of like Mickey Mouse circuits, really tight and twisty. And the Ferrari is not very good in low-speed corners. Um, it doesn't have the same... It literally just doesn't have the same capabilities in a, in a low-speed corner to, to a car like an Audi or even the Mercedes. We don't have the same natural grip in these low-speed corners. So um, to make up for it, you know, and, and on those sort of circuits, we, we need a little bit more power um, and, and things like this. Um, but we didn't we didn't really get that. So we were struggling on all those rounds, uh, all those, those two rounds prior to, to Red Bull Ring. Um, but then we go to a track that does suit our car, where Red Bull Ring is, is very high speed, medium high speeds, where the tracks are, um, you know, the cars sit very flat. Our car is really, really good in high speed corners. So, and plus we, we had a BOP change before the weekend because of the rounds before. So um, basically, finally, a fair, more or less fair BOP, a balance of performance for the cars on a track that suits our car and the team. I mean, we, we tested at the track a week before as well, so we knew exactly where, where we wanted to be with setup. Um, it was just an ultimate combination. Uh, we, we put everything into that weekend because we'd lost so many points over the rounds before. So it was really, really cool and, and worth it to see it pay off in the end. One of the nuances of the DTM is the fact that you have a success weight put on you if you if you perform so well in the previous race. So you're adding weight to the car. It didn't seem yeah. to affect you at the Red Bull Ring. Well, yeah, it definitely did. The, the race one, um, we we were a lot more comfortable. That's for sure in terms of the the speed that we had. Um, I was I was able to to manage a lot more, look after tires, uh, and I'm mean, still pushing, but. Compared to the race, the race on Sunday, I used up all of my my track limits that were available. Uh, I was on my last warning for that, and I had absolutely nothing left with with, with the the car. Um, the, our car seems to be quite sensitive to temperature changes, which I've noticed in single seaters at least is, is quite normal. But um, in if and uh, and the GT stuff, I didn't expect it to be like this. But it's, uh, we we had. Definitely more struggles on Sunday to Saturday, plus the 25 kilos. The race was, was definitely a lot harder. Well, it didn't look it didn't look hard, and you've bullied yourself into second place. You you talked about high speed tracks. Is you're heading to Assen this weekend for the next round? Uh, will it suit the Ferrari? Um, Assen is another circuit that's quite uh, medium to high speed, like sort of fast flowy circuit. So. It should, uh, at least theoretically, should suit us. It's a track that I've never been to before, so uh, practice is going to be really, really important to, to get used to the track. Um, but and it's it's like a it's a motorbike circuit or like mm. a it's like a MotoGP circuit basically. So um, there's a lots of really flat curbs, so they're going to have to be on top of track limits because otherwise, I think uh, that could get quite sketchy with with cars taking advantage of that. But um, I'm definitely going to have to make the most of practice and try and learn the track because uh, I think Alex as well, my, uh, my teammate, hasn't, hasn't been there either. How much are you enjoying double duty, DTM and F2? As you said before, I, I had it, I, I found it quite difficult um, to, to transition between the cars, but I think Monza was definitely a breakthrough in, uh, in getting sort of adapting to going back to F2 because it was always more difficult going to F2 with the. Um, with basically the, the shorter practice time that we had and plus trying to speed everything up is a lot harder than trying to slow everything down uh, going between between the cars. So I think um, it's it's becoming more and more easy. Monza was definitely a, a lot easier. Uh, in fact, in, in FP, we were we were straight on the pace. So I feel like I'm at a point now where I'm 
I mean, we're sort of getting towards the end of the season, but I'm at a point now where I'm, I'm uh, I know exactly what to expect when I get in the car and each car and, and know what to, to do to adapt to it. What did you make of your stablemate, uh, Alex Albon, going to Williams next year? I'm, I'm very happy for him. Um, I think, uh, obviously, he um, lost his drive at the end of last year in, in, with Red Bull. And I know this year, uh, working alongside him, that um, obviously I know his, his capabilities and of, of, you know, of how he can drive. And uh, I, I knew he'd be working at trying to, to make F1 work again. So, um, yeah, happy for him to be going back there. Obviously, I want to be going there as well. So hopefully I can follow him uh, in, in the coming years as well. Uh, but for now, it's um, it's just yeah, not my time yet. Uh, the boss is happy with the way you're performing. As far as I'm aware, I think so. Uh, obviously, we're all a bit frustrated with the way F2 is going, um, with the way it went on the weekend and, and past rounds as well. Uh, the potential has been so good this year uh, with with the speed that we've had um, that it's extremely frustrating. You know, last year we had a few bad rounds, but overall we didn't really have the pace to match Premiers and F3 uh, and, and some of the other teams. Whereas this year, I feel like we were on track with good speed from the start. Bahrain, we had really good speed um, at pole position, my first pole position in, in years um, of, a, of a genuine pole position. And But it's just been everything that could happen kind of has been happening um, with, uh, with with F2. So it's, that's a bit frustrating, but um, as long as I'm doing the best job I can in the, in, in the car, um, hopefully that's good enough for their approval. All right, mate. I know you're a busy, man. You're heading to Assen uh, this weekend. I got a one final question for you. Do you know what DTM stands for? Uh, <laughs> no idea. No. <laughs> Do you know what DTM stands for? Yeah, me? Yeah. Yeah. Deutsche Tourenwagen Masters. You asked me that question to make me look stupid, or cause I, hey. I have no, I have no idea. <laughs> well, I had to ask you. Racing the damn series, I want to know if you knew what yeah. you were racing. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. I should, I should know that. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> uh, you're welcome, Liam. Hey, the best of luck this weekend. Uh, thoroughly enjoying what you're doing. Uh, we've got our fingers crossed that, that things turn out down the pathway. But we know it's a journey, and you are certainly entertaining us on the way. So look after yourself, stay safe, and we'll talk again, buddy. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you. Well, that's a great chat. Great interview. Uh, great to catch up uh, with Liam Lawson in such detail. Um, and you got him there at the end, mate. Well done on the old DTM. I did sort of half know it, but um, I couldn't have got it as good as what you pronounced it there. But, I mean, you just if you just look back on on that, that whole fire extinguisher thing, now that all started, he was in that position where they think they got a rubber ball that hit the the and pulled that little loop that's the cable that goes to the extinguisher and cuts all the electronics and everything. You know, if that pit stop hadn't gone as bad as it did, he wouldn't have been there in the first place. And that's just the way fate works and the way it works. Uh, and, and again, you don't like to call it luck, but for him this season, some of those things have just been not going his way. Incredibly talented. I don't think we can emphasise enough the what it takes to drive two formulas like that, totally different formulas, one single-seater, one touring car, GT car, and do what he's doing at such a high level. So, superstar, it's uh, great that he's a Kiwi, and he is going to go a long way. You know, I asked him about Alex Albon, right, his teammate, uh, who's now going to Williams. What did Alex Albon do for Red Bull, mate? What do you mean, what did he do for Red Bull? What was his job with Red Bull? 
What was his role? Job? Yeah. He was a race car driver. No, come on. You've got your two drivers. Then you've got... Then you've got... Test driver. Yeah. You, okay. You test driver. You All right. Step, yeah, what? All right. Where are you going with that? Well, have a think oh, about it. Oh, okay, have sorry. A, now I know a, what you're saying. Have a think about it, Dodo. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Okay. Well, aren't you going to say it now? No, I'm are not. you not going to tell the people? No, because nothing is confirmed. I'm not, I'm not supposed to say anything, but you've got it out of me. Look at so the way you dragged it out of me. So what are you saying, you, Liam? You're you suggesting is Liam. I don't know. I have no idea, mate. I've got no idea. What do you mean? You said you did know. I don't know. 7.35 here on Race Control on SCNZ. Stay with us. We'll come and talk about whether or not we should put artificial noise on Formula E. Stick with us. And remember, <laughs> come and talk to us. It's not text back. We'd like to talk. 0800-150-811. This is Race Control with Stephen McIver and Greg Murphy nationwide around New Zealand. And if you want to hook into us every Thursday, you can check out the SENZ app. Very, very cool. You can take us wherever you want us. And if you want more, well, you can listen to us maybe an hour or two later. Uh, just to have that sort of dose of motorsport. Now, coming your way before 8 o'clock this evening, Avalon Biddle, our fave when it comes to two wheels. Superbike rider, loves her Kawasaki's. But Merv, here's the interesting thing. You know our brake or accelerate question. What was the question? Here's a test for you. What was the question? Question was, uh, should electric forms of motorsport have a fake noise um, when they're running around the racetrack to give it uh, a little bit more of a ambiance that we're used to and brake if you dis- if you say no and accelerate if you say yes so i was listening oh, okay very good good start good start and i show one of 500 uh, so the majority of texas on double eight double three are saying this they want artificial sound on Formula Uh, as you call it. And you know what? I'm with them because I go back to the... Remember that beautiful car that Toyota produced called the Lexus LF? Mm-hmm. Right? That, that million-dollar car that they made no money on. The LFA. The LFA. Well, yeah. I was close. I missed one letter. Mm. All righty? Do you know that the sound that came out of that exhaust pipe was artificially made to sound like an F1 car? Oh, well, I didn't know that. Well, the, it sounds. Oh. It doesn't sound. It doesn't sound right. Well, are hey, you sure? Hey. Is this a fact? It's a fact. F A C T. Fact. So, where do you stand on this? Mm. Are you a breaker or an accelerator? Me, yeah. I'm a hundred percent accelerator. I, I'm. I'm struggling. I mean, uh, with, with just yeah, the sound of air rushing past. It doesn't <laughs> doesn't work for me. Um, just doesn't work at all. And I hear a lot of air rushing past when we work together. So I'm not a fan. Wow. Wow, that was uncalled for. Mm. But I would, I, if I was racing in Formula E right now, I'd be a little bit concerned that some of the major players are pulling the pin. BMW's out. Mercedes has got one more year. They're pulling the pin. Would you be worried about the formula? Yeah, I, I would be. I mean, they're still talking it up. I mean, uh, listen, it, it, it has achieved incredible things, really. Um, it's taken the motorsport to all sorts of places uh, and unusual places and, uh, you know, had temporary racetracks erected very quickly in, in places we wouldn't have normal motorsport. Um, and, of course, we've got Nick Cassidy and, and uh, Mitch Evans running in Formula E at the moment and doing very doing it very, very well. 
um, you know, I just it, it's I don't know if it's achieving what they all hoped it would achieve. And I think with all the manufacturers involved in it, um, you know, in a in a single seater formula like that, I, th- I don't know if they're getting the tie-in and the connection that they maybe thought they were going to get. It, it's it's a hard sell in some respects, but there, you know, we know the future. There is future is going towards hybrid and, uh, and electrification and all this kind of stuff. And we saw that amazing Porsche that was uh, thrown out there a, a week or so ago. Um, as well as sports car that, that we talked about on Sky Speed last week. I mean, that, that thing is just absolutely stunningly beautiful and, and incredible. So the technology is, is changing a lot. Albeit, um, I did see today that uh, Formula One um, are going to keep their current engine. They've delayed the change of, of any new engine regulations until 2026. So that's going to be a little bit interesting. They're going to be sticking with what they've got for another five years or another four years. So that's uh, that's an interesting shift yeah. for Formula One. I am genuinely excited about the new look Formula One car from next year. I am. I, it's, it looks mm. like a super sexy Indy car. And we'll talk Indy cars between 8 and 9 this evening here on Race Control. It's 7.43. Coming next, we talk Two Wheels with Avalon Biddle. Stay with us. This is Race Control on SENZ. 7.48, show number one. This is SENZ Race Control. Good to be with you wherever you are around Aotearoa, New Zealand. If you want to be on the phone, we want to hear from you and what you think about what we're talking about every Thursday night, 0800 150 Time to go to Two Wheels. We head to the Deep South, which is in level 2.5, and that's uh, Avalon Biddle, who is our regular Two Wheels expert, sitting on her Kawasaki. Hey, Av, how are you? Hey, Stephen. I'm great, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Greg's here as well, aren't you, Greg? Good day, Hi, Ev. Hey, how's it going? Oh, wow. Could you two just get on with it? (laughs) Sure thing. Two wheels. Sorry about that, Stephen. We're just having a little moment. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, um, Avalon, I was glued, absolutely glued to uh, the TV on the weekend for a lot of motorsport. But, uh, you know, MotoGP is one of my faves. Now, the race between Bagnaia and Marc Marquez, it didn't ignite until with three laps to go, but oh my goodness, what a battle. I mean, what have you got to say? I mean, I was just in awe of those two and the fact that they both managed to stay on those bikes. And for Pico Bagnaia to win his first GP in such incredible fashion, I mean, it was just, it was mind-blowing. It really was for Bagnaia to, as you say, handle that pressure and go on to win the GP. Marquez overtook him seven times in those last two laps. Seven attempts at taking that win, and Bagnaia got him back every time. Um, I was super impressed. It, yeah, really two polar opposites, like the Ducati versus the Honda. Marquez coming back from injury, but, you know, he, he's been around a long time, multiple world champion compared to Bagnaia, who hasn't even won a race yet. And um, to see them just going at it like that. Also, two riders who haven't necessarily been um, superstars for the, for the season in the past two years. Um, obviously, Quattararo is kind of dominating that championship at the moment, so it was pretty cool to see them out there, out front, and... Um, going hell for leather, all right. But, yeah, huge respect to Bagnaia for um, fending off Marquez. It's not someone that I'd want to have on my heels for the last two laps of the race. No, and that's that's the thing. I mean, to keep his head and just deal with that pressure, knowing that at some stage, you know, that he was going to see a Repsol Honda diving up the inside of him somewhere, <laughs> and to keep positioning the bike and stay so calm 
um, in that situation and still ride. I mean, the lap times, his lap time list afterwards, the, you know, his consistency and his ability to, to hold on to that. I mean, I mean, it just sort of sets his future and must take such a weight off his shoulders considering that's his first win riding for a factory team. Yeah, absolutely, especially in Ducati. He's Italian, Italian team, and you know how passionate they are about things. Um, I can't imagine. Can you imagine what that pit, um, pit garage must have been like after the race? It, no. And the emotion the emotion would have just been huge. But, yeah, Bagnaia, he really impresses me with um, how smart he is, really patient, really calm. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's looking like he's going to be coming on strong. I don't, I don't know what you think, but um, I definitely think he's going to be there for years to come. Yeah, all righty. Well, uh, that's round 13 of MotoGP, and uh, it's round nine of the Superbikes coming up, Ab, because you love your Superbikes. You love top rap Radzaglioglu, uh, <laughs> but you don't think he can win in Catalonia this weekend? Yeah, I, I have my money on Jonathan Ray. I really do for Catalonia. I know that the team uh, have done a lot of testing there. Um, Alex Lowe could even come on strong as well, just because I, I know that they've been riding there so much. They um, ride with Ana Carrasco as well, even on, on the 300 and, and some of their 600 teams' um, private test days. So I really, you know, when, when Johnny has the setup dialed, he is just so confident and so strong. So he's definitely my pick for the weekend, but you just can't discount either Scott Redding on the Ducati or Top Break Razgetti or go on the Yamaha because... Um, they just keep showing how strong they are, don't they? Some pretty epic battles this year. Yeah, and only seven points in it. Uh, how do you... I mean, you tell me what you know about this and you, the way you follow these guys. Has Top Rack got the the ability and has he got a run enough of a run, even if Jonathan Ray does have a successful weekend, has he got enough of a run and got enough experience to come back at Jonathan Ray and win this World Championship in 2021? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely. Oh wow! I, that I took really a while. He does. Yeah. <laughs> I had to think about it because the funny thing about Top Rack is that he hasn't really won a championship before. Uh, he didn't win Super Sport 600, even Super Stock 600, hit the class he was racing in when I was in Europe. Uh, he didn't win that either. So to to just win a championship out of the blue was unheard of. But you can really see how hard um, how sorry, how strong he wants this and how hard he's willing to fight for it. And he's just not going to give up. Um, and I, I really think these two are going to go hard at it right until the very end of the season. Interesting for Top Rack, though, there's a lot of talk out there that he could have a MotoGP ride on the cards. And he said, him mm-hmm. and his team manager, Kenan Safoglu, have said that they won't take, they won't go to MotoGP unless they win World Superbike. So a really interesting dynamic going on there behind the scenes um, because I imagine a lot of MotoGP teams aren't going to wait until the Superbike season is over to get riders signed up. So, yeah, very interesting. Avalon with a scoop yet again. We will talk to you on uh, Tuesday with another edition of Sky Speed because we've got to have to talk about this. All again, thanks, Av. Talk again. Sounds see, good. We'll see if I'm right or not. Huh? <laughs> yeah, 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 we will. All right. Hey, Murph, I've just got this text here on double eight double three. Are you looking forward to your race in the Superstock Charity Race Meeting? Is this something I haven't been told about again? 
Oh, I was going to get round to it. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. Uh, Steve Williams has put together a wonderful charity event, uh, which is going to be just after Christmas, after Boxing Day, twenty seventh and twenty. 8th of December at the Rotorua, Rotorua uh, stock car track. Um, and there's uh, I've got me and nine of my closest mates going to turn up there to do a bit of a charity gig. Avalon's invited. She's actually going to be driving. Oh, sorry. We, we did leave you out of this, didn't we, Stephen? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so that's going to be a great event raising mates for some me. great causes. Yeah, well, you know. Wow. Yeah, let's not go there. So um, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. It's going to be exciting. So, yes, uh, be prepared for if you're around the uh, the region there um, in the 27th and 28th. Uh, it's going to be an amazing stock car meet. What, and it's an awesome facility that they have there in Rotorua as well. So can't wait for that. All right. Can't wait to hear from Andre Heimgarn either. He is coming your way just after 8 o'clock this evening on the very first edition of Race Control here on SCNZ. Why is he leaving Kelly Grove Racing? And why is he going to Brad Jones Racing? Find out on Race Control just after 8. 8 o'clock on the dot. This is Race Control here on SCNZ around New Zealand. And today, well, I believe we're in Hamilton as well on the old Radio Waikato Frequency, Murph. I was, I'm a, you know I'm a Waikato boy, right? So it's 9.54 on the AM dial. So we've got plenty of folks in the Tron home of the Hamilton 400 when it was the Hamilton 400 uh, sitting there right now. Hey, quick question for you, Murph. Uh, will we be seeing you in the Motorsport New Zealand eSport Challenge this Sunday? No, I don't think so because I missed out on um, uh, getting logged in and entering. <laughs> it sold out. It was. It, I, I actually really? went online to look at it and it was it, like, it, all the spots were filled up in a matter of seconds, so that's uh, proving to be very popular. Um, so, yeah, good on everyone that's uh, getting amongst it. And, again, lockdown obviously has uh, fired everybody back up onto their simulators, including me. I spent a bit of time on it, and I've got it, – it's, it's very easy to get hooked into that and spend – hours consecutively without even knowing. It's uh, ridiculous. All right, well, uh, speaking of getting excited, uh, we talked about the silly season at the top of the show just after seven about uh, Kimi Raikkonen. We spoke to Kimi Raikkonen exclusively here on Race (laughs) Control. I think we did. I think we did, yeah. But one Mm. man that's really put the cat amongst it in uh, supercars, Repco supercars, is Andre Heimgartner. Out of the blue this week, Andre goes, oh, by the way, I'm leaving Kelly Grove Racing. And then a couple of days later, he says, I'm going to Brad Jones Racing. Andre joins us right now. Are you out of quarantine in Perth yet, mate? (laughs) Hi, good to be on the show. But, um, yeah, not yet. So a couple more days and then... um yeah, out of quarantine and I'm free. You must have been one of the smartest guys I know. You take your sim in with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrapped up the seat and chucked the computer and everything and I managed to haggle someone for a frame here and, um, yeah, just managed to put one together. So not missing out on all these serious stuff. And um, it's actually pretty useful in quarantine. It gives you something to do. Burn nails. Yeah, well, actually, funny you should say that. I mean, you know, your results in the old uh, series, I don't think they've been that good, have they? And you're in, you're sitting in isolation there in quarantine, mate. What else you got to do? You should be going really good. You should be winning races by now. Well, I've, I've never been a gamer. I'm quite young myself, but I was just talking to someone about this the other day. I said, I've never been one from a kid to now to sit in front of a computer and just play a game. It does my body hit, and I can only really be on a PlayStation for five minutes until I get bored, so... Uh, it's sort of a bit of the same with the sim. I just don't have the attention span to be on it all day and, you know, fiddling with the settings and just really trying to get it to the nth degree. But, yeah, the results have been pretty poor, but I think that's more a reflection of 
the uh, the time spent probably more than anything else. <laughs> Andre, let's get down and dirty on what really matters, and that's the uh, Repcar Supercars Championship, because next year you are no longer at Kelly Grove Racing. You are going to Brad Jones Racing. First part of the question is, why are you leaving Kelly Grove? <laughs> Uh, uh, just like to mix things up, really, keep everyone guessing. Oh, that is, that is a pile of hogwash. That's not, yeah, Come on. That's not an answer. That is not an answer. I mean, but you are going to have to do better than that. Were you just been sitting around too much, locked in locked down in Victoria, and all of a sudden you woke up one morning, like uh, Nick Perkett has said, woke up one morning, which I don't believe a second of, that he woke up one morning and went, you know what? I need a change. Rubbish. Now, come on. Give us give us the good oils. You know, obviously, just didn't quite click there. Uh, the new owners, whatever it is. I mean, I know you had a good relationship, great relationship with Todd Kelly and Rick Kelly. Things have changed. You know, did it just not uh, feel the same vibe as what it had before? Um, yeah, 100%. There's so many different aspects to it. One of them is, you know, I'm currently, just before you rang, looking at places to live on the Gold Coast. So that was one big, big ticket item with leaving the team, which I was allowed to do, and um, just live somewhere better. I think I got disillusioned with living in Melbourne for a start, so that, that's sort of the off-track stuff. And then, yeah, the rest of it, look, I think the team's going in, in good places. The new owners obviously have the right intentions and good backing behind them, but... Um, you know, we sort of, I think we missed each other's shot a bit and, um, you know, I just decided it was, you know, time to play something exciting. I've always been, um, you know, spoken to Brad. We've always sort of been, um, you know, seeing where each other is and it's sort of always been a bit, not on the cards, but it's always been something we're both, you know, interested in exploring more, me going to the team. So, um, yeah, it's just something that I think fits in nicely. It fits in well for this part of my career where I'm at what I want to do um, and they have fast cars so I think that you know it's a good reason to go there and um, you know I think the Groves as well they wanted to explore you know other options young young guys young talent and um, it's just good that another New Zealander hopefully Matt Payne will you know, get a stare, which is really awesome as well. Yeah, well, we'll talk about going to Brad Jones in a, a two secs, but I just want to go back to Todd Kelly because obviously the relationship was the key to you. What did you learn off Todd Kelly that made it made the decision probably easier to go knowing he was no longer involved? Yeah, I, I almost 100% would have stayed probably if Todd was still involved in the family. I had a really close relationship with with Todd um, on and off the track and, and Rick and, you know, the whole family. So for me, I felt, you know, obliged to them and, um, you know, that they brought me on and took a risk. Otherwise, I'd be, you know, not having nothing to do with motorsport. So that was a big part of it. You know, I'm a pretty loyal person and, um, you know, I know, you know I'm not, I'm not going to stuff people over if I've done me, you know, a solid in the past and stuff. So... For sure, I think you know, I would have I would have probably stayed, but him um, selling his part of the team sort of freed up that part of it to me, and I could look at it from an objective point of view where uh, you know I wasn't biased and influenced in that way, and um, I guess that sort of helped me nudge me to make a decision. It's listen, it's been to be straight up, you know, it's it's been a bit of a challenge, obviously there with Kelly racing over the years you've been there. I mean, again, they they gave you that that opportunity, which is awesome. But you know, it's just it's been a bit of a struggle. It hasn't been as consistent as what you'd like. And and you just mentioned a a minute ago about uh, Brad Jones Racing, and you know they've got fast cars, but. Again, they look pretty similar when you start to go through the results and and see sort of where they sit in a sort of consistency level in the championship. 
personally, I don't. I, I think they've got pros and cons, both of them, but they don't seem to me to be, you know, a, a place that you are going to win a championship or be consistently, you know, in the top five. Do you see that differently? Because I think the results tell a story. Um, oh, it, I think it's more of a sideways step in many respects. Um, I don't think they're okay. obviously going to go and win championships. But, um, for example, Perkett finished in the top ten of the championship every single year apart from the first year that he was with the team. So you can say that team, you can say whatever, but the car's done it and they can do it. Um, Fabian Coulthard, when he first went to the team, was leading the championship in various phases of, of um, proceeding. So look, the team's shown... Bre- um, potential, you know, potential to win, potential to be on pole in the past, you know, may not be consistent, but the potential's there, and the consist- consistency is, you know, better than what I'm able to achieve at the moment. So I'm just trying to, from that point of view, put myself in the best position um, to achieve that consistency. And um, if I could have a similar outcome to season as to Nick, you know, that'd be a good step in the right direction. Andre, did Brad approach you? Uh, well, yeah, it's just, we just, we always keep in contact and we always talk so it just yeah, obviously came up um, you know I, I didn't know about the Percat stuff but it all makes sense now <laughs> <laughs> was it a, a class is, right. is it a multi-year deal yeah yeah it's uh, yeah, more than one year so I <laughs> won't be going anywhere for a while <laughs> it's, it's, it's more than, it's more than one year and less than ten <laughs> yeah exactly so a number. Yeah. Uh, so you'll be what you in Camaros right uh, I don't know. I think if they stick with the GM product, yeah, 100%. Hopefully you get a Camaro road car, but I doubt that. But, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's exciting. There's two good options, though. I don't know which car will be better for the car of the future. I think Triple Eight. you know, you can't go past them with their development. And it seems like, from what I've seen, they're doing the most development out of anyone versus the Mustang teams. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see which one has the measure or if they are identical. Because um, normally one has the advantage over the other. So, so what do you what do you think you're going to learn, or how do you think you could going to become a better driver next year? Mm. Um, I think it's also being exposed to new people. Um, you know, I've had the same engineer. You know, Dylan has been really good the last four seasons in a row, uh, five including the first year race. So, just a change in engineer, change in personnel, and you know. Um, Greg will be able to sort of be testament to this. When you go to a new team, you experience different people, they're different styles. You just learn different stuff, you know, and you open your horizon and um, you sort of take a step forward in that sort of way. So I think that's going to be a big part of it as well. Um, just, uh, yeah, mate, I totally agree with what you just said there too. It, it is, you know, finding those relationships and, and having those sort of subliminal sort of connections with, with the key people like your engineers, you know, they sometimes they, they fall into place where, you know, where it just works and yet it's almost unspoken language sometimes and, and sometimes that's not the case and you do need to continuously try and find those and, and you know, learning from new people is 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 a really interesting way because you you open your eyes when you've been somewhere for so long sometimes you you tend to sort of get a bit of tunnel vision so that that'll be interesting to talk to you once that does happen next year hopefully we're going to get some racing underway between um uh, now and then um with the changes obviously to the calendar and bits and pieces for supercars coming up just got cancelled by the way the what did yeah that was winton you could have seen that coming Winton just got cancelled. No, that was coming. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks, Stephen. That was that was that was an obvious one. Oh, anyway, well, it's official. Um, Come on. <laughs> Sorry, wow. mate. Um, but hey, Andre. So just uh, 
based on uh, what you know um, and the, the fact that we've mentioned before about uh, Nick Purkett uh, coming up with some bizarre story about him waking up and leaving the team, um, that would have to mean that he is going to WAU, wouldn't it? You'd imagine. I don't know where Alfie would go. AFC would have no idea. I don't really talk to Nick that much, but, but that seems a logical re- you know, thing. Hearing behind the scenes stuff, I don't um, don't hear anyone else really in the frame for that. So, um, yeah, I think it makes sense. He's been there before. I, I, there's rumours I'm trying to get him before. So, um, yeah, who knows? I think um, it'd be a good fit for him. Cool to see him get go against Chaz and um, you know see you know what drama they can unfold. Do you do you think yeah. you're becoming a more yeah. senior driver now? Uh, for sure. Ouch. I think obviously a bit more a bit more established, but I'm still only 26, so I'm still. I'm um, very young. Are you? People obviously forget how long and oh. how young I am. Yeah, only 26. So I've been around supercars for a while. I think it's my sixth or seventh season coming up. So, um, yeah, a little while. But I guess, yeah, I guess I don't see it that way because um, time just flies. But um, when I've talked to other younger drivers, and you know, um, you start listening to the media. And the other day it said um, I was like a 180 race veteran or something. I'm like, Jesus, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 not a word that should be associated with a 26 year old as, as veteran. But you have been around a long time. You started uh, a long, long time ago, and you've done a lot of racing, mate. What I mean, how much are you really looking forward? Even though you know there's change happening, and and that's that's great, and hopefully it'll all work out towards the end of the year. I'm sure it will. But how much are you guys looking forward to getting back into some sort of routine and going car racing again? I mean, it is. It must be hard not doing anything. Yeah, it is very hard. So, um, you know, we're just praying next year we can revert to some normality and, um, you know, just, it being so disrupted and um, and everything changing in five minutes, you can't even, you know, book to go get a haircut because you don't know if you're going to be caught off to go quarantine for two weeks or, you know, um, having to do some random sporadic test day because, you know, they, it's only time they can get it in or, you know, they make so many plans, they all get cancelled and you plan everything around it. So it's a very difficult part like that, but everyone else has the same problems. So um, it's just one of those things, but it does make it very difficult for a race team, for the drivers, everyone to um, you know facilitate and run a race team. What do you make of the uh, six-day bonanza end of your Mount Panorama to finish the season off? Uh, it's pretty cool. I, I when I first said it, I'm like six days. Jesus, we only really need three to knock it over. But then I actually um, read into it, and I'm like, oh, like the amount of categories and the amount of action that there'll be. Like it's really the best categories in Australia coming, you know, to one. And it, it will sort of remind me a bit of when we did the New Zealand Grand Prix. The best drivers were in New Zealand. We had cool categories, um, cool racing, and it was really something different. I guess that we haven't seen before. So there'll be so many different cool categories that I'll even want to watch. You know, Formula um, S5000s, I think, are going to be there. That's going to be wicked to watch around Bathurst. So, yeah, there'll be so many different things. They'll be actually very interesting to watch. Mate, um, it's uh, looking pretty hard at the moment to uh, see... You know, open open border between New Zealand and Australia again uh, in the near future. But let's hope that does change uh, with uh, the vaccinations and bits and pieces. But uh, uh, a one-off New Zealand Grand Prix again next year. You and I went. To, well, we didn't really go to battle because you were too fa- too much faster than me this year. Um, would that be something you'd uh, you'd look to try and do again if uh, if the opportunity opportunity presented itself? Would you love to go and do another Grand Prix? 
Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I, I guess I have another thumb to break as well, so um, yeah. it'd be, it'd be yeah, really good. <laughs> so that's the only thing. I was, you know, obviously it didn't go too well for me last time. I walked away with a really injured thumb, which was an ideal, but got second in the race, so that was awesome. But yeah, that was. I yeah, I think it was a bit like you, Murph. I, I wasn't. The cars were actually not as impressive and, and um, like what I thought they were, like from back in the day. But the whole event, you know, the other drivers, the camaraderie and just the, the lack of pressure there was at that event and how fun it was and the big crowds. It was just awesome to see New Zealand Motorsport, even just for one round, be up and active and, you know, um, just a bit of hype around it. Yeah, Murph actually found them quite hard to steer. They had to get a lighter steering rack for him. Were you the same? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So every dri- every single driver had to get uh-huh. around a rack. So it was a bit weird. It was very weird. I don't know how some little um, European 13-year-old kid would be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, uh, just just quickly, uh, I really want to know, are you are you a total motorhead? Like when you finish with supercars at the window, do you say, okay, what's happening in F1? What's happening in IndyCar? What's happening in MotoGP? What's happening in WSPK? Um, I never used to be, um, and I, I'd probably say, as far as cars go, I'm not really that much of a motorhead. I watch Formula One every weekend, and I'm, I'm into that. But apart from that, I don't, I'm not really interested in GT stuff, that 24-hour stuff, I don't know. But I love MotoGP at the moment. The racing in that's just outstanding, and the last lap battles they have, the changes for the lead just across the line, and I find that so interesting, and um, just how they you know, manoeuvre those bikes. But... Yeah, I uh, do love watching um, things. I like Formula E every now and then and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I guess you could say I'm a bit of a petrol head. All right, mate. Well, I'm I'm sure you're probably getting sick of uh, hotel food in Perth. Can I just – can I be nosy? Why Perth? (laughs) I'm not in the hotel. I've got my beautiful girlfriend cooking for me, so um, we're in her apartment. So, uh, they do it good in Perth. They do it good in WA. They've got it sorted, the whole isolation thing. Doing yeah. it tough yeah, as Andre Heimgartner. Wow. you gotta, you got to get some brownie points, eh? All right. Hey, Andre, it's always a pleasure having a gas with you. And we certainly, would like everybody, good chat. wants supercars going back. Take it easy, mate. No worries. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Andre Heimgartner joining us here on the very first edition of Race Control here on SCNZ. I mean, the interesting thing, I mean, he set the wheels in motion. As you said, the Percat one was an interesting one, Murph. But I, I think of poor old Bryce Fullwood. He's gone. I mean, BJR haven't even confirmed their lineup at all. I mean, as I said to you on Tuesday on Sky Speed, Macaulay Jones, Dad's the boss. But, mate, he bends so many cars. Is it about time he said, son, yeah, nah? Yeah, you know, blood is uh, pretty thick, though, right? Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, they've got a bit of working out to do, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, having that cemented, I mean, obviously Nick decided he wanted to leave, had an opportunity, he didn't wake up and go, I want to leave. He <laughs> woke up because he knew that he had an offer from WAU, I'm, I'm guessing, but I'm pretty certain that'll be the case. And, and so that unraveled a little bit. And then, obviously, the phone called up to Andre, to, you know, and he's decided to do that. And, you know, they'll start to now sort of, uh, you know, create a focus to build their team around him and and do what they need to do from there. And if, is that going to include McCauley or not? I don't know. Jack Smith has confirmed there, and, and uh, they have um, a racing entitlements agreement uh, that they yeah. take 
with them, with their money to Brad Jones Racing. So that was never going to go anywhere. So there's still a bit of work to do there. But I, I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure we're going to hear an announcement in the next uh, short while about uh, Nick Perkett's yeah. um, new job at WAU. Yeah, you know, the one thing I just worry, I, and I know you're not totally convinced. Are you? Is this a good move for Andre? We can say it now because he's off the phone. Uh, it's he said it. He absolutely said it, and I'm glad he did. He's very straight up and honest. He sees it as a bit of a sideways, and and that's I think that's a fair wow. fair <laughs> way to say it. It's a, a bit of a sideways because at the end of the day, the Kelly Grove or Kelly Racing, you know, a lot of work, a lot of effort, a um, lot of you know dedication and all that kind of stuff. But they never really just managed to find their their consistency. And and Brad Jones, yes, they've had some some positives and negatives. They they used to start championships with a hiss and a roar at the start of a season when everyone was fresh. And, you know, he's right when he said, uh, you know, Fabian led a few and won some races early in seasons, but it always fell away. There was always sort of a, a, a race meeting halfway through the season where it all then started to come apart because others were still improving and increasing their speed and they couldn't keep up. Um, so it's a, it is a, a sideways. He's going to have some good results there, but... It's not going to be, you know, what he needs to be, you know, you know taken from there into a Triple Eight or a, you know, one of the bigger teams, that one of the, you know, um, DJRs or the, or the likes. You know, it's it's, uh, but he's got a solid solid spot there and a team that will support him and and make him feel good. Murph and I would love to know what you think about the supercars silly season. You can call us on 0800 150... Oh, I got this wrong. 150 811. 0800 150 811 is the number. We want to hear what you think. That's what this is all about, Race Control. It's your show as well as our show. So you can text us on 8833 or call us on 0800 150 811 and tell us what you think about the supercars season silly moves. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. Stay with us here on SENZ. It's 20 past eight. What's the difference between Greg Murphy and Stephen McIver? One's good looking, the other has won four Bathurst 1000s. Race Control on SENZ. That's fair enough. 824 on Race Control with Stephen McIver and Greg Murphy. <laughs> well, when, it, when, it, when it's a fact, I mean, it, it's oh, got to be fair. Oh, hey, right? I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Mm. Hey, a little bit of a text in here. Now, you can answer it or not. Uh, someone said, whispers, whispers, that uh, Bathurst might be a no-go for you. Well, I don't think it's whispers. I, I think it's it's still a, uh, a possibility. I think there's a, a tiny little glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. But, you know, we, if you're... Unless you're living under a rock, you know at the moment that uh, the border between New Zealand and Australia, and we know our MIQ situation and, and everything is, is a, a bit of a concern, and I'm probably being very kind when I speak of it like that. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that in a, the next short while, um, there will be an open border for us to go to Australia, New South Wales, and maybe some of these other states uh, without, you know, an isolation or quarantine. But it's coming back, right? So there's going to have to be some change there. And, you know, the fact that it has been moved another month just opens that window a little bit more for potential change that is going to be positive. But, um, you know, there's going to have to be change because there's otherwise... I'm not going to be able to get a um, Richie Stanaway and myself aren't going to be able to get a 
an MIQ spot, I wouldn't think. Um, we haven't even got flights booked, and you're not going to do that at the moment. So it's a it's a bit of a rock and a hard place, I suppose, in some respects. And, you know, we've got a little bit more time. Um, fingers crossed that something does happen and we can have some sort of uh, non-MIQ situation between Australia and New Zealand. Um, there'll be other people that have got a much better idea of if that is a possibility or not. But, um, you know, we'll sit tight and see what happens. Well, Andre Heimgartner, who we spoke to a moment ago here, on uh, race control on SNZ talked about maybe Matthew Payne uh, mm. will pick up his seat at Kelly Grove Racing and he's part of this new sp- sort of uh, scholarship deal that uh, yep. Grove Academy. is uh, Academy that Grove is and is he can he get his points to actually have dispensation yada 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 but oh, we, we actually f- forgot to talk about Brock Feeney because he probably got yep. the most coveted seat in supercars at 18 years old 18. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's and I reckon at some stage in the near future we'll get uh, Roland Dane on and, and have a chat to him about that because, you know, um, it is a, a, a really interesting process that uh, they have been through and, and uh, to make that decision. And, you know, it'd be great to get it from the horse's mouth and I'm sure he'd be willing to, to tell us about it. But, you know, 18 years old, I mean, there's been a plan in place for him for a little while with a lot of people. He's uh, been supported by Paul Morris who, you know, on the the Gold Coast up there has the Norwell Driver Training Centre and, and uh, Brock works there. He spends a lot of time there and, and Paul's had a lot to do with that young man uh, coming through the last few years through Super 3 and Super 2 and um, has had, uh, you know, uh, very much spoken very highly of him. And, you know, there's a bit of a, the Queensland Mafia up there where they all hang out, all those uh, guys in supercars and, and the V8s and bits and pieces. And and um, so he's been on the cards for a bit and, and they've done their due diligence. They've looked at him and he's done the work on the racetrack that has, you know, um, made them go, listen, he's he's the guy for the future. And what it does at 18 years old, very similar to Jamie Wincup, when he got the drive at Triple Eight uh, after finishing the season 2005 with Tasman Motorsport, which at the time was actually run by um, my dad, and he was teammates with Jason Richards. Um, he went to Triple Eight in 2006, and he was still raw, still hadn't been moulded, still hadn't, um, you know, had all the the roughness sort of trimmed off the sides. And you know, they were able to turn him into well, greatest of all time. And and they probably see that with uh, young Brock Feeney and the opportunity for the future with him. And you know, he's a he's a great young kid, great to talk to. Um, you've spoken to him, we spoke to him on. Um, on Sky Speed, and um, you know he's he's excited. He's he bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and willing to learn. Just wants to dedicate his life to to driving race cars fast. And uh, good on him. That's going to be an exciting watch. What makes a young kid fast, though? You know what you you're fast. You were fast. Probably still fast when you want to be. But what makes a young kid fast? And they go. You know what? This guy can fit into the number one team tomorrow. Well, there's there's not one thing. You know, it's it's they you know, are very aware of everything he does and they'll be, you know, keeping close eye on all the things and, and obviously, as I said before, the work that he's done with Paul Morris and, and the guidance that he's given him and the, the focus at, you know, doing things at Norwell and the, just the little tests and stuff, I suppose, that are constantly happening to, to see what he's capable of doing. But it's also out of the car, you know. Um, if he was not able to, you know, string the words together and, and, uh, and represent you know the likes of Red Bull and all their other sponsors in a fashion that they need them need them to. Then it would have been a challenge. But I think you know 
young race car drivers are, are very aware at a very early age of what they need to be doing um, to give themselves a shot uh, in these in these teams that are heavily funded and and um, you know are, are, are required to perform to give return for investment. And um, you know if he wasn't able to do that, then he wouldn't have got the drive. So he can. It's about being all rounded. And clearly he's they've seen him driving race cars and they've got the data and the information, the analysis to to judge that. And and saw that there's there's clearly um, you know good opportunity for him to continue to improve and get faster and faster and faster and and then it's all the other little bits and pieces that that add on to it and you've got to tick pretty much all the boxes these days especially at 18 he's going to have to be ticking the boxes uh, yeah. to be warrant or to warrant getting getting a shot and you know they they didn't they are not hesitant at all about their decision. And as I say, we'll, we'll get Roland Dane on. He'll be uh, keen to have a chat and, and we'll get it from him. Yeah, it's interesting, right, because uh, the supercars is going to go through another transformation because they're, it's basically going to be sold by Archer Capital, right? They own supercars. And yep. your your good friend, Peter Adderton, who's backing you and Richie to get to Bathurst. And I, I'd so love that. To, I would so love that to come off, Murph. But I think... I think we're probably seeing the writing on the wall, but he's pulled the pin. Uh, there was a number they said they wanted more than 50 million. Him and his mates said, well, we've got 50. And they've gone with the, uh, I think it's the ARG group, which I, I noted, interestingly enough. Well, they haven't gone with anyone Well, yet. okay, but, okay, so here, here's, here's, yeah. my, here's the, where I'm going with this one. It was just interesting to note that even though they had the Bathurst booked in December, how quickly they got together with supercars to have a six-day season-ending event. And it sort of all made sense. We're all happy cousins now. Let's just move on, and we'll announce it a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, there's nah. a lot more due diligence to go on to happen. Um, I, I think I think that that's that you could look at that as more than a coincidence. But I don't. I think it's. A, I think that collaboration and the coming together of of two, uh, you know, organisations, supercars and ARG with TCR and all their support categories. I mean, it was desperation. It was. It ended up being desperation. It was the only way for anyone to go and get some racing. In, uh, in 2021 with what's been going on because you're running out of dates you're running out of time you still have heavy restrictions no one can do anything at the moment so they had to they they were forced into if they wanted to go racing and have their events this was the only way around it and I, and I take my hat off to everybody and let's just look at you know two flip sides of the of it here you've got super cheap auto who were the you know um, the Bathurst 1000 sponsor last year and big supporters of supercars you know taken over by repco and now super cheap is on it with um you know trg and with tcr and you've got repco now and they have managed somehow to agree to come together in an event and share the time and share the tv and share everything and, and all the other sponsors as well uh just so they can go racing and put it put it again so i, I you know I, I think that deserves a golf clap because that is that's just stuff you do not see Thank you for the golf clap. And um, so, you know, good on them. I mean, it is it is about giving uh, the fans um, and giving the teams, uh, which are, you know, hemorrhaging at the moment, trying to operate these professional outfits. You know, they needed this. They seriously needed this. Everybody needed this. So, you know, uh, put uh, your differences aside. Put your, uh, your brands aside a little bit and let's just uh, focus on going racing and do it for the fans. And that's a... That's a good thing. It's a and, great thing. And you talk about teams hemorrhaging money because it's not cheap. I mean, 
for me, it appears to be the biggest concern that you have is that teams have too much control in the current environment. So for you, is the yep. best way moving forward as a formula, we'll call it a formula, is to take away the control of the teams and, and have a more, shall we say, you know, straight up and down champion. A bit like NASCAR, where these are the rules, these are the cars, these are the yep. engines, this is how it's going to roll, and you're stuffed with us or you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, and and supercars is, and I've been ad, not an advocating, but I've been a, a definitely my opinion of the way the future needed to look for a very long time is that the teams do not have that uh, control anymore in the decision making because they they're their own worst enemy, and that that is just the way it is. That's you're always going to do things which work for you, right? When you get a chance to make a decision, not about what's the what's uh, the greater good for everybody and for the sport as a whole, and that needed to be taken away. And I think. I think that's now become, an, um, you know, uh, become agreed upon by the teams that whoever does end up owning this, they are going to lose that say and that control that they've had. And that, that is a positive uh, moving forward for the formula because they just need to be out of the way of, uh, of that stuff and just concentrate on going racing and running, running race teams and, and race cars and drivers <laughs> and all that kind of stuff and not get caught up in the day-to-day operating of it all. If Roland Dane hears you saying that, we are never going to talk to Roland Dane. I think he's, he's in a grants now. I think I oh, think he. Well, that's because he's pulled back you know, now, right? Changed his tune. Sorry. That's because he's pulled out of it, basically, hasn't he? He's sort of one last year. Then Jamie takes over. And no, Jess he'll and... never. He'll never. Pu- he will never pull out. He he has got such a passion for the game and the sport. No matter what he says, he'll always be there. <laughs> um, I I reckon. Um, you know, just prodding from behind if he has to, unseen, but he will uh, always have a say. And, and, hey, good on him because he has been such a significant part of, of the success of the sport in many, many ways. And, obviously, love him or hate him, um, you know, he's he has been there and been a, an amazing competitor. 8.36, this is Race Control on SENZ around New Zealand, or you can listen to us on the app wherever you go and listen back to us as well a little bit later on in that sort of podcast fashion as well. 0800 150811 is the number to call if you want to talk to us about anything that we've been talking about in the last 90 minutes, or if you want to text us something, it's double eight double three. Come on, get involved. This is Race Control. We want to have some fun with, with you as well, and as far as brake or accelerate goes, it seems the accelerate uh, that most of you would like to see artificial sound when it comes to Formula E. Stick with us here on Race Control. Coming next, we're going stateside. Yeah, we're going to talk NASCAR. We're going to talk IndyCar. Yeah! 8.40 on a Thursday with Stephen and Greg. Uh, before we head to stateside, we've got an interesting text here. It's about the Lewis and Max incident at Monza. A bit biased, but I felt mm. Lewis overstepped the line when he ex- exited the pits. He gave Max a half a car width entering turn one. Max with the momentum and warm tyres. Lewis on cold tyres. I'm with Murph on this. Lewis knew what he was trying to do. Lewis was in the wrong. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's a great, it's a great look at it. It really is. It's, a, it's a, uh, I think, a pretty balanced kind of look at, at the incident. And, and I mean, can imagine some of the stuff that's uh, going around social media at the moment about it. But, you know, it, it, you, these guys are the best, the best of the best of the best, and and they know what's at stake, and they're willing to put it on the line, and they both knew what they were getting themselves into. So I think that's a, that's a, a pretty good read on it. There was um, a couple of others in there too. Um, some, some. Um, some really good comments actually uh, relating to to that incident 
Um, and I just hope that it, uh, the, the battle continues on with those two, you know, on the track. I mean, you don't want to see people ending up on the sideline. Um, you want to see them racing. And uh, uh, we want to see them you know, going down to the wire with, with on-track stuff that, um, you know, that's memorable. So oh, I, I mean that's memorable yeah, for the, I think for the, the wrong cool, reasons. I think the cool thing too there, Murph, was the the uh, halo did its job. Uh, yep. Although much right, has mate. been made that's of true. that, much has been made of that uh, by Helmut Marco from Red Bull Racing. Okay, this is Murph's yeah. favourite instrument, and he is playing. <laughs> If you remember, we did an episode of Sky Speed Down South one day. You picked up the banjo and away you went. And it was a skill I never knew you had. I know. It uh, was many years of mastering. Um, and, uh, you know, I've given it away a little bit. Don't play as much as I used to. But, but uh, yeah, I, you know. I really used to enjoy playing the banjo. Well, it's a good way to get into the uh, NASCAR because we've got, round one's almost completed. Race three of three is this weekend at Bristol. It's the Bass yep. Pro Shops night race. We'll see it live here in the country on Sky at 11.30 in the morning. If we went back to the last one, uh, that Martin Truex Jr. win uh, to get himself into the play, you know, the, the round of 12, that was the a special when he 12, had to yeah. come from last to first after jump-starting at the start. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I don't know what it is, but I've become uh, more fascinated with NASCAR this season than I have, I think, for a long time. I mean, some of this racing has just been absolutely phenomenal, and that was another example of it. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. doing that. I really like him, and I think part of that is also uh, that he has an Australian, James Small, who I know. I'm not, uh, don't know James really, really well, but I do know him, um, and uh, did catch up with him a couple of years when, uh, years ago when we were over in, in America. And he is just a brilliant engineer, a very good crew chief, and it, I think it's just awesome to see uh, him achieving what he's achieving with Martin Truex Jr., who's uh, yeah, he's, who's, is a is a great driver and doing amazing things but the season has been pretty interesting Kyle Larson back in at Hendrick Motorsports has been a highlight for many many people after he was uh, yeah. dropped last season by Ganassi after a little uh, mistake a slur, he made a slur. Um, a slur that's a good word uh, on doing uh, esports or racing during lockdowns last year it was um, un- very unfortunate and he came back with us just with a vengeance in 2021 took out the regular season and is sitting third in the the playoffs at the moment. He'll get through no problem into uh, the round of 12. But as it goes on, NASCAR, as it breaks down and the pressure comes on, the stories are phenomenal. And I don't know if you've um, actually seen it or not, mate, but um, I've actually got quite engrossed with uh, uh, this show that's on Sky at the moment on Discovery Turbo um, with, about NASCAR and under pressure, NASCAR 2020 under pressure. The stories in that are just awesome no. and it's shot beautifully it really is such a, a great insight to the world of nascar which a lot of people probably um sort of uh, throw away a little bit you know nascar mm. america and the way they go about it and think it's all a bit rough around the edges um it's not i mean it is a well-oiled machine it is it is phenomenal what they do 36 odd races a year uh the pressures on the drivers the teams the families all that kind of stuff is just phenomenal so if you actually want to get a little bit of an insight into what you know the backstory around NASCAR and just what goes on week to week, NASCAR 2020 under pressure. It is uh, it's worth a watch. Yeah, I've, uh, got I'm, a, I'm actually um, halfway through the new Schumacher documentary on Netflix. 
Yeah. Wow. That is that is a must watch. An absolute. Oh, and you know what you will love be. about it? Yeah. You know what you will love about it? Wow! Screaming V8s and V10s. Oh, screaming. Well, V12s and V10s. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it yeah does, absolutely. That, that was a pathetic yeah. childlike noise I made. I apologise yeah, for that. It was. Mm. Uh, let's move on because uh, IndyCar, uh, three rounds to go. And we're at Long Beach this weekend, this Sunday as well. Uh, Grand Prix of Monterey. What, what what happens here? I, I just I'm this one is so tight. Anything? Yeah, look, you got Palau sitting in, sitting in first position. You got Pato Award and the and the Arrow McLaren sitting second. Joseph Newgarden third and Mister Six Time. Where did Joseph Newgarden come from? Well, he had a really good. That's just uh, incredible. I know. I know. He's had two wins, three poles, sits on four hundred and forty three points. Pato Award second, two wins, three poles, four fifty two. And Alex Pillow, three wins, one pole, 477. There is nothing in it. And remember, the last round, which I think is always Laguna Seca, isn't it? Uh, is it Laguna Seca? Oh, God. I've got yes, that it odd. is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, double yeah. points, your favourite. It could, it could, it, I, no. I put money. It goes down to the last round again, right down to the wire. Yeah. And, and what does that say about um, IndyCar? I mean, we, we get to talk about it a lot. And we are big fans of it, and obviously for good reason. There's a couple of Kiwis in there that um, get a lot of uh, attention from us. But, you know, IndyCar have just got their formula just really, really right. I mean, it's like MotoGP almost, you know, except they're all sort of... uh, They're one-make chassis with two different engines. Hondas and Chevys are the two options you've got there. Um, But, you know, and they've got this, this young... A group of drivers that are, are are now starting to take over, and and the competition is just wild. You don't know what's going to happen week in week out, and and some of the talent that is being seen are just the stars, absolutely stars of the future, and it's it is incredibly exciting to watch. Um, but yet we still see the likes of our Scott Dixon, who uh, again when we talk about uh, the goat, um, he is certainly one of them. And um, he is still within a fight of, of taking this thing out in 2021. Yeah. And, and every single driver there, certainly the three that are ahead of him on the points, will be looking over their shoulder constantly at um, that um, PNC Bank uh, Ganassi Racing IndyCar because it is going to be coming and coming hot. Yeah, it will be. 8.48, we'll talk Kiwis in just a mo. just about time for us to call it a night, but we can't go anywhere without talking about what's happening on the local local motorsport front. Just quickly, that Super GT Series, Murph, two rounds in the North Island, two rounds in the South around January, all sold out. How good's that? Could have been oversubscribed, I hear. Yeah, really good. Uh, great idea by the organisers to put this together. There's a bit of uh, work going on behind the scenes there for a little bit. Uh, to get all these these GT cars and uh, a whole bunch of GT4 cars, not GT3, so it's it's limited to GT4s like McLarens and Mercedes-Benz, uh, these Aston Martins, all this kind of stuff that have been entered as, into it. And then add to that a whole lot of uh, 991 GT3s and 997s, uh, Ferrari 458 Challenge cars as well. So it's going to be a 
a pretty amazing European-looking um, season uh, coming up in a brand new, brand new series. And as you say, very, very popular. So that's going to be amazing addition to the summer series, seeing uh, all those cars out there roaring around. Yeah, we only get one Grand Prix this year in the TRS. Anytime we see the TRS is the 67th New Zealand Grand Prix. They're going to have a sprint format as well to uh, set up uh, one of the trophies and the like. And your boy Ronan's back in the uh, 86s. I'm pretty excited about that because he's, he's a good kid. Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't he? Uh, Isn't he? Yeah, Is I your think son? so. I think he's all right. Yeah. No, I know. That, that is going to be uh, monstrous. Yeah. Um, the Best Bars Toyota 86 Championship is going to be a full this season. Uh, the biggest field I've ever had, and rightly so, because uh, Toyota... Um, still supporting New Zealand motorsport and sort of supporting this category uh, just incredibly. I mean, it, it is just awesome. And with the prize pool that is now up for grabs, uh, there is so much cash. These scholarships as well. The Tony Quinn Foundation is uh, putting um, uh, a bunch of cash up for grabs there for, for lucky contenders in a, um, a shootout that they're going to be putting together very, very soon. There's a, a massive prize, a test with Triple Eight Race Engineering in a supercar as well as part of that, thanks to Tony Quinn's um, connection there with the team um, so yeah some really cool things going on um, in the build up for this coming summer season as you said before one race for TRS unfortunately after all the dramas again with uh, COVID but it will be a Kiwi affair and I'm sure that'll be um, well sought after as well so we've got lots to talk about coming coming through in the uh, the next month or so so uh, looking forward to it mate that's the end of the show already I can't believe it I know I two know. hours two hours just gone like that and should we do it again next Thursday at seven and the one after that, and the one after that, and the one, and one after, after that, that, and one after that. that. All right, that's us done. Race Control, very first episode here on Thanks for SCNZ. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you next week, and we'll talk to you next week Thanks, as well. Thanks, Sanjay, Don't forget, too. Our producer. Yes, Sanjay does the job like a boss. Yes, like a boss. See you next Thursday. Take it easy, folks.